you're listening to Lost Souls Monologues. Today's monologue is Little Moscow by Alex Murillo. For those of you with younger listeners, please be aware that it contains some adult themes. to come to me. I always believe the suit could uh, could capture a person more than a drawing or a photograph. But a suit can only, what is the word, uh, amplify what is already within you. A suit that is best is the one that is honest to the person who wears it. A good tailor will tell you this. The cut, the sheer, the details, they all mean something. The cut of the neck, it points to your heart. Even the curve and line of the sleeve will tell you what kind of man you are. The button, a small detail, but the button can tell you most of all. I am seeing you don't understand. (laughs) I will teach you. I have been a tailor now for 40 years, but at eight years old I saw what a good shirt could do for a man. There were qualities I would years later learn to look for during an apprenticeship in a quiet alleyway in Little Moscow. Dubrov Street, you know it? Well, this shirt, the pinpoint cotton, had a perfect opaque shear that caught the light. Above the sleeve, a gauntlet button set in the perfectly horizontal hole, hand-sewed with an irregular stitching. Buttons... They would turn out to be ivory. I was only a boy, but I knew what a man in Irkutsk would have to suffer to get this shirt. Sardines, vodka, a box of oranges. (laughs) A lifetime passed, and I still wonder what he must have bartered to get that shirt. I am sure father must have noticed too, though he never mentioned it. You will want cufflinks, yes? I will find you silver cufflinks. They match your countenance. You understand, my sister, Sveta, had never brought a man home to our family's apartment before. She worked for long hours selling Sobrani cigarettes off the Anagra train. Mother told her always that she was pretty, but it was clear to me she struggled with the qualities that allowed most girls her age to already be married. Sveta would be expected to find a husband soon. But I think that even my mother was surprised at the man who climbed the six flights up to knock on our door. I was the age my grandson is today. But I can tell you, this was a handsome man and a beautiful shirt. Here, you will drink some chai with me. 
he had thick black curls for hair. Men in Russia are known to have great passion and great, uh, this word, uh, fortitude. Russians are known for moving literature and music that one is humbled by. But we are not known for good hair. <laughs> this man had long, dark curls. He was not from the same Russia that I was. But I found his features heroic and sharp. And I decided that the next time I read my stories about knights and dragons, I would picture this man's face as Vanya, my favorite knight. And he brought such gifts. The man brought my father a large box of fancy cigarettes from a place called Virginia. For my mother, he delivered a podstakanik. Forgive me, this is a... A tea uh, glass holder made of braided silver strings. As my mother blushed, it would have seemed he was calling on her. <laughs> Father, he might not have liked that. The welcome my mother gave him made one point very clear. Sveta had done well for herself, but the best gift was for me. You are a little soldier, he smiled, <laughs> and handed me a gift wrapped in soft purple cloth, a little wooden truck, the kind of truck I always found myself staring at as soldiers drove them through all the streets. Sveta, my sister, she covered her mouth and giggled. I knew then she must have told him something, and I loved her for it. I made it for you from the wood of a cherry tree. And look, the dye is cherry too. Yet, as much as I loved the truck, it was the strangeness of his forearm that my eyes fell upon. Those things, I know what I am looking at, but I don't understand such dark things, things I wasn't meant to see. He must have seen me noticed, for when he stood again, he pulled the shirt down, covering the... the... But it was not erased from my mind. Or father's. Father froze. The preparations for dinner swirled around him, yet he was still. Only I seemed to notice his gaze darkening. He watched the man from across the room polishing a glass in his enormous hands, but his eyes never left the man. Persian silk will make a wonderful tie. I have always loved the touch of Persian silk. <laughs> Mother had spent a week making dinner. First we were to have chai and bowl of borscht sprinkled with pine nuts that my mother had sent me out to gather. Mother confided in me the location of her secret bounty. And days earlier I had walked deep into the woods past the Ushakovka River, where she told me no one else knew the best cones had not yet been picked, not even the squirrels. 
The first course would be followed by handmade meat dumplings and boiled milk. The dumplings were to be eaten by hand, and they were my favorite. You cannot find them in America. I have tried. I would bite deep into the side and quickly drink the boiling broth inside before devouring the meat. But the real treat was the quail. Oh, it was being kept hidden from view, but I could smell it on the stove, even if it was meant to be a surprise. Yet I turned back. In the middle of the celebration was my father. He was motionless, never uttering a sound, but it was as though he was pulling the light out of the room just by fixing his eyes on my sister's suitor. I know he must have seen what I saw, his secret carved onto his... My father, my father is the strongest man I have ever known, but he is not always a kind man. Years earlier, when the roads and railways were bombed, he limped alone through the Siberian winter, past abandoned and burned cities, all the way home to Irkutsk. I am told that when they cut off his foot, he did not shed a tear. But he did not often smile after that, and while he cared for his family, he lived for Russia. But I have never understood why my father loved a country that treated him so poorly. During the war, he volunteered his dacha to fellow soldiers and then set fire to it himself when it became clear the Axis would take it. He was never compensated. When the frost turned his foot into a stump, he was given a medal and told he would be taken care of. But maimed with a wooden foot and no longer able to work as a respected policeman, he now spent all day in the unbearable grime and heat of a hinge factory as a steam press operator. But Russia could do no wrong in father's eyes. Even during the great purges, and the whisperings about the night raids of the NKVD. He finally moved when we took our seats at the dinner table. Now, I always sat facing our apartment's largest window, but tonight I was bold and took the chair facing the kitchen so I could sit next to the man who courted my sister. He tousled my hair when he saw me looking at him and pulled out the other chair beside him for Sveto to sit in. But then my father sat next to the man. He sat next to him in the seat that had been reserved for Sveta. Her glass had already been set there. Father did not drink sugar tea, but father moved it across the table. You know, let us make this more as we are friends, yes? Tell me, Father Beckons, it is tradition for the guest at dinner to lead our family in prayer 
Would you lead our family in a good Christian prayer? But something in Father's voice sounds more like a threat than an invitation. Jewish, Sveta breaks in with a quiet smile. Papa, he is Jewish. If you like, the man boasts, I could teach you a prayer my great-grandfather taught me in Moscow when I was a boy like your own. No, no, father interjects, this is not necessary. And then father folded his hands and said a strange prayer I had never heard before. Blessed is Russia, blessed is the family, blessed is my wife who warms our house with food and by the music of her chanza. Blessed is my son Nico who is quiet but strong and will soon grow the strength of a cub. And then for a moment he fell silent. Blessed is my daughter, Sveta, who we have given much to and should try to bring us more happiness. Amen. Sveta's guest was not included in the blessing, nor was he included during the second course of dinner when father sprinkled sugar in each of our cups of chai. But the man didn't protest. Instead, he told a story. In Hasidic literature, there is a story about the angel of death taking the form of a beggar, asking for charity as you pass. If you are not kind to the beggar, he could bring you great misfortune, even take your life if you are not careful. Then he paused before looking to my father and saying, It is a story of the importance of kindness to those you do not know. And we froze. No one had ever questioned father before. Sveta dropped her spoon and some tea spilled upon the table. She quickly picked up her napkin but became preoccupied with folding the corner, the cloth, dabbing it to her lips. Father brushed aside his boiled milk. He stood and walked to his cabinet where he produced a bottle of vodka. His wooden foot echoed with his footsteps. He poured the single cup for himself before putting the bottle away. Sveta quickly reached across the table and touched the man's hand, but withdrew it again when father glared. But the man would have none of them. He reached across the table and took Sveta's hand in his. I love your daughter. This was all he said. His arm, in all its shame, was for the first time exposed to the whole table. He knew we had seen it, that we could see it, but he looked only at Sveta and traced her palm with his fingertips. I love your daughter. You think we can't see what you have done to your arm? The bear was mad. It is nothing. I know these markings. I know where they come from. Russia sends its dregs to the islands. The islands? The whispered name? 
the darkest corners of the country, the secret corridors. Take off this shirt, father orders. But the man said quietly, Take off this shirt. Once the bear had started to roar, mother could not calm him. I want to see this man my daughter has brought into my home. I do not know who was stronger. My father was broad like an oak tree that grew thicker and stronger each year, but the man looked as though he has been carved out of marble. I was a teacher of Jewish literature, the man says. That was my crime. Take off this shirt. Father lunged and began to pull at the man's sleeve. Between the sounds of tea glasses breaking and plates falling, there was the harsh sound of ripping fabric as I watched this cotton shirt shred like paper. Then we saw that it was more than his forearm that was painted with ink. His shoulders also bore the tattoos. He struck my father's arm away, and mother screamed. None of us have ever seen father challenged before, and he held his wrist, aware for the first time that he may have met a man much stronger than him. Our youth priest once told me to picture God's face as that of my father. It was a strange and frightening image to come to me as I watched his black eyes judge this kind man, his heavy beard heaving over deep breaths. Father hunched back with his arms, opening with claws instead of fingers. But the man with the kind face was not afraid. He was sad. Take off your shirt, father commanded. Our apartment is filled with a quiet I cannot endure. In that moment, it is so empty. I heard sounds I had never heard before. The wheeze under this old man's breath, the floors scratching under his missing foot, even the snow falling outside our window. The man kneeled back and picked up a chair that has been knocked over. He straightened the rug that was mother's favorite. You want to see? Mother stood to object, but father would have none of it. The man unbuttoned this beautiful, torn shirt and pulled it over his lean frame. He turned to face the wall. On his back, a monster looked back at us, a face, the scream of a corpse, ink burned into his skin, ink made by burning the heel of a shoe and mixing the soot with piss, ink injected into the skin by a sharpened guitar string attached to an electric shaver, large cuts into his chest, a screaming face. I do not know the meanings of all these markings. The suit of diamonds, the terrible grin, the snake wrapped around his shoulders. But some are familiar. They meant many things. They meant propagandist. They meant Jew. 
but worst of all they meant, traitor to Russia. It is a long time before anyone speaks, and even father seems to hold his breath before speaking again. You must leave now. Silence. The kind man looks to Sveta. He turns to father. My friend, you have been hurt too. I see that you limp. Can I ask how it... You must leave now. I wanted Sveta to yell, to protest, but she did not. And a new horror revealed itself. I looked at my poor mouse of a sister, and she understood father's anger, even though I couldn't. I wanted this man to be my friend, my older brother, but Sveta understood the code of our house. One could not question Russia. This man had questioned Russia, and even though it was the same Russia that took my father's foot, his job, his house, and his pride, without ever giving back, this man could never question it. The man buttoned his shirt. One of the beautiful ivory buttons had been torn off. The rip where father clutched his shirt. A deep one of the seam. A funny thing, at that moment I said something I didn't understand. An eight-year-old boy, but I said, I can't fix it. I had never picked up a needle and thread, but still I said, I can't fix it. Even as a boy, my first thought was what I could do to repair that beautiful shirt. If I fixed it, could we begin the evening again? Like resetting the needle on a phonograph? But no one at the table seemed to hear. Mother quickly fell to the floor, searching for the ivory button. She understood how much such a thing would cost, but the button was lost in the shattered porcelain of our family's finest plates. The man quickly knelt and pulled my mother up by her hands. Still he smiled. Sveta, show this man the door, father growled. The kind man put his hand on my mother's. Thank you for this meal. He looked to me and winked. He opened the door himself and stood in the breach, but he did not look at Sveta. I think he wanted her to say something, to stand up, to choose him over father, but she did not. From the lightless hall of our apartment, he turned to father. I wonder if this is because he would not want to question a man in his own house. He leaned in to speak quietly, but we all heard what he said. I am a teacher of Jewish literature. I am not a criminal. He traced the tattoo showing through his torn sleeve. Do you think I would do this to myself? Do you think it was a choice of mine to put these marks on my body? Then Sveta rose. My sister moved with such purpose that father stumbled back a step. 
She walked to the door. She looked at her suitor until her heart melted and poured out of her eyes in great rivers. Then Sveta closed the door on him, and all was still, and Sveta pulled back father's chair so he could sit at the head of the table. I remember father sitting, his enormous hands smoothing the shirt over his slowly heaving chest. I remember realizing for the first how old he looked and thinking that he was nothing more than a machine that was slowly breaking down. I remember thinking that he would shed parts on the side of the highways. A hinge here, a pipe there, another leg here, a hand there. Eventually his shell would be left in the fields outside the city, a rustic relic the country would not pay to scrap. Sveta's eyes had tears, but she would not let out a sound. Father looked to us all and pointed mother across the room. Mother picked up her chansa and began to play my father's favorite song. Father ate, and when he did such a thing it was clear the rest of us would too. Quail could be eaten only once a year. By the time Sveta passed in 2004, I had not been back to Russia for nearly 20 years. She married a man who worked with father in the hinge factory, who brought her enough money for heat, but little else. While emptying her apartment of the Anagara train station, my son and I would not find many items by which one would measure a life. But in an old cigarette case, in the bottom drawer of her dresser, I found a toy wooden truck and an ivory button, so carefully preserved that it still had the string threaded through it, even though it had been broken years ago. Perhaps I should not have told you these things. It is late. My children tell me I work too late for my age. Come. Tomorrow I will work late tonight. Have your order ready in the morning. Yes, the same price we spoke of, I insist. I know how special these things can be. <laughs> my wife, she will tell you I am not good at making money. <laughs> but... I am good at making a suit. You can shut the door on your way out. I work late tonight. The midnight oil, as they say. Yes?
Little Moscow was written by Alex Murillo, sound direction by Caitlin Ince, and performed by Rupert Dagus. If you enjoyed today's Lost Souls monologue, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. See you next time.